This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. To earn a title like The Conqueror, one must, well, conquer. And not just a little, either. Maybe even when it's not appropriate. That's what William I did, after all. Enough to stave off his alternative title, William the Bastard. Although there are many who would argue that he deserved that one much more. After a 20-year reign of conquering, and not being much loved by his people, William the Conqueror was keeping himself entertained by partaking in a little recreational raiding against his French adversary, King Philip. However, if you put yourself in enough deadly situations, it's likely that death will soon win the day. And eventually, it did. While the exact nature of William's ultimate demise isn't agreed upon, the general consensus is that he fell hard onto the wooden pommel of his saddle, which ruptured an internal organ so severely that he couldn't be saved. Which admittedly sounds pretty painful. Immediately after, he was taken from the battlefield to a medical facility in Rouen. Cue the deathbed scene, where he is seen to his last will and testament, among many a quibbling relative and or attendant, eager for his crown, his sword, his armor, his everything. William did not leave anything up to chance in securing his legacy, though, a mirror image of how protective he was of his kingdom during his reign. But in life, at least, he could see to it that his rules were followed. Whereas in death, well, not so much. In fact, in the end, everything more or less came undone. As soon as William passed away, his attendants collected his belongings. As in, they took all of his stuff for themselves and promptly vacated the premises, leaving the corpse of the conquering king naked on the floor. Not exactly what anyone would imagine themselves looking like moments after death, let alone a king who had earned himself such a fearsome nickname as the Conqueror. Fortunately, after some time passed, a traveling knight happened by the baffling situation and began the embalming process all by himself. By this point, though, the body had already begun to decompose. But the knight pretended not to notice and proceeded anyway. After that came the 70-mile journey from Rouen to Caen. On the way, bacteria began to seep into William's intestines and fill his body with a gas that, all things considered, should never be allowed to reach the open air. Upon reaching Caen, monks came to meet the corpse of the king. But before they could proceed with the rites and eulogies, a fire broke out in town, and the body was again left unattended for far longer than any cadaver should be. He was essentially a quickly inflating gas bag. As everyone reconvened to forgive any wrongs William might have done against them, a funeral rite at the time, a rather loud man yelled out that the king had stolen land from his own family. A debate ensued, all while the body of the king progressed uncomfortably closer to something that no one wanted to look at. Eventually, though, a payment was agreed upon to get the man to go away, 
his pockets bulging. But that wasn't the only thing that was expanding. The king's body, now hours past the recommended burial time, had begun to bloat. The funeral attendants hastily tried to lower the king into the stone sarcophagus, but unfortunately for them, he wouldn't fit no matter how hard they pushed or wriggled or folded. And apparently they pushed a bit too much. Picture, if you will, a large water balloon being forced into a small box, because that's essentially what we had here. Suddenly, his swollen bowels burst, causing, and I quote, an intolerable stench that assailed nostrils of the bystanders and the whole crowd. The bits and pieces were forced into the steaming grave. The funeral finished as quickly as possible, and everyone moved on, having seen William's last and most palpably disgusting conquest. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Many of us dream of accomplishing something great within our lifetimes. It might be to climb the tallest mountain, or star in a movie, or even something as simple as starting our own business. 
But few get to do anything close to those feats. They live their lives, retire, and hope they left some kind of lasting impression on a small piece of the world. And then there's Pele Huld. Huld was alive during a time when people were doing great big things all the time. He lived during the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. He was also there when Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. But Huld wasn't going to sit back and let others have all the glory. He wanted to go out and make a name for himself, too. And to do that, he would have to travel the world. It started with a contest. Huld was born and raised in Denmark and saw a story on the front page of his country's newspaper, Politiken. The paper wanted to pay tribute to the 100th birthday of French author Jules Verne. Verne, who had written such popular tales as 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Journey to the Center of the Earth, had inspired numerous authors over the years. And this time, he had inspired the paper to put on a competition. Borrowing from the plot of one of his other stories, Around the World in 80 Days, Politiken picked one person out of hundreds to undertake a difficult challenge, circumnavigate the globe in 46 days, just over half the time in Verne's novel. It seems they believe that all of the advances of the modern world should make such an endeavor a piece of cake. Of the many potential contestants, it was Huld they picked. The rules were quite simple, too. He could use any method to travel the world except by plane. He kicked off his trip on March 1st of 1928 by going to England, followed by a jump over to Scotland. From there, he went to Canada, Japan, Korea, China, the Soviet Union, Poland, and Germany. And he did all of it almost entirely by himself. Well, there were, of course, reporters from Politiken who followed him on his journey, documenting it for the paper. But he managed the trip mostly on his own. At least, so he thought. Hold didn't realize that Politiken readers had been keeping track of him as well. And his story had exploded beyond the margins of that paper. His exploits were being read about by thousands of people in all the countries he was visiting. At the end of his 44-day journey, when he finally came back home to Denmark, there were 20,000 people waiting to see him. He was a celebrity, and his travels were all anyone could talk about. Mainly because he wasn't just anyone. He was a 15-year-old Boy Scout. He'd been working in a car dealership before being chosen for the contest, which had only been open to teenage boys to begin with. Hould would later write about his eventful trip in a memoir he called A Boy Scout Around the World, and people were inspired by what he'd accomplished, perhaps none more than Georges Remy. Also a Boy Scout in his youth, Remy was a Belgian illustrator who drew cartoons and comic strips for his local papers. In 1929, he debuted a new character, partly based on his brother Paul. Paul's rounded face and puffed-up quiff hairstyle made him the perfect reference for the look of Remy's latest creation, a globe-trotting reporter with a small dog for a best friend. Now, Hold never had a dog with him, but outside of that, all of the similarities were uncanny. Hold had a youthful look, red hair and freckles, just like Remy's character. He'd also documented his travels all over the world. Remy, under the pen name Hergé, combined these two real people into one fictional entity, a Belgian reporter who often found himself embroiled in some kind of international mystery, along with his dog, Snowy. Pele Hould certainly didn't realize it at the time, but his exploits had led to the creation of the popular literary character Tintin, one who would endure for the next 90 years. Now that's one long and curious journey. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. 
Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.